It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. You get up every morning from Welcome in to Sports 56 Mornings on this Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you. Broadcasting live and in color from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Yes, sir, Bob, the overstock sale continues. Help them clear out their overstock inventory up to 50% off on a lot of different items, including select patio sets, play gyms under $2,000 just in time. For Christmas, Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. 31 degrees, clear skies as you get your Tuesday going. We're looking at a high today of 48 with mostly sunny skies. Tonight, clear skies with a low of 33 and then more sunshine tomorrow. Few clouds, but a high of 58 degrees. Coming up on the program today, 725, Connor O'Gara joins us. To talk some college football, Connor from Saturday down south and Saturday tradition. At 825, Jeff Crane, who's normally with us, he'll get the week off. Laird Veach, the big honcho, will be joining us, the athletics director at the University of Memphis. A lot to talk about with Laird, including where Memphis football will be going bowling, what he thought of Ryan Silverfield's season with the nine wins and the three losses during the regular season. What about basketball and what they did in the Bahamas and how season ticket sales and games, individual game tickets are going right now as far as sales are concerned. But also about the news from last week with uh, the Smith family, led by Fred Smith and the $50 million donation, the matching uh, amount that the University of Memphis has to come up with. We'll talk to Laird about all those things coming up at 825. At 905, it's our weekly Rhodes Athletics segment. We'll be joined by Rhodes men's basketball coach Zoe Goodson. And then we'll turn our attention to Memphis Tigers basketball with Memphis Tigers basketball beat writer from the Daily Memphian, Parth Upajai. He will join us in studio. We have Humdinger's Trivia. That'll come your way just after the top of the hour break to open up hour number two, as it always does. Give you a chance to win a $25 gift card to Humdinger's Restaurant. We'll also give you the topic for tomorrow's five favorite things. We'll take your calls and your texts on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901-360-8255. Got some Memphis football transfer news to get into. We got some NBA from last night. We'll talk about the college football championship games coming up this week. More movement in college football coaching ranks. Plus, Memphis does not get in to the top 25 poll in men's basketball once again. All those topics coming up on this busy Tuesday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am uh, I'm okay. Good. Good to hear that. Zach is all bundled up in the studio next to us. How are you, my friend? Cold, but I'm good. Yeah, it was quite cold today. I, I went a little bit light. I don't know why. I forgot to put something heavier on, so when I hit the, the outside, it was a little cold, a little jarring, but again... I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Now, I get inside real real quick and enjoy the heat of the indoors, but uh, outside, that refreshing, cool, 
well, somewhat cold air. Uh, I, I'm not too... Uh, I don't have a problem with it. Let's just put it that way. I don't have a problem with that. All right. We got a lot to get into. Let's jump right into it. As I said, we will be joined at 725 by Connor O'Gara. Tonight is a big night. It is the college football playoff rankings, the second to last rankings. The one that really matters is next week. But will it be on Sunday? Will they announce on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they'll give you exactly which four teams will be in the playoff. But will there be any movement tonight? We'll talk to Connor about all those things. Memphis, as you are probably quite aware of by now, did not make the Associated Press men's college basketball top 25 poll again. They finish, if you will, 26th again, 108 points, which put them 12 points behind number 25, Oklahoma. Thoughts? Uh... I don't. It's the, these voters are being very weird this year. Um, they are not in, in this case seemingly following normal voting behavior um, when it comes to polls. I don't. I I thought for sure the win over Arkansas would get them into the top twenty-five, um, but to have five teams come from behind and get in is weird. To see that that the team sitting at twenty-six one week. That's a good week. Again, you take a loss, um, and maybe I guess it was the margin or the way that loss happened to Villanova, but you know, beat a ranked team in Arkansas, beat another quality program in Michigan, and have five teams leap over the top of them is a little strange. Yeah, last week they had a couple of teams leapfrog them. This week they had five. It has to be what you just mentioned. It has to be that the voters looked at that first half of the game against Villanova and saw that the Tigers got throttled and just made up their mind there that, yeah, they may have a couple of really nice wins, but they're not not top 25 caliber because the top 25 team wouldn't be getting blown out. Then they forget about the second half when Memphis goes on the big run. They make it respectable. Look, they got beat up. There's no question about it. But they have wins now over Missouri, on the road, over Michigan, and ranked Arkansas. Only the one loss to Villanova. To me, that's a top 25 team, but they come up short once again. Purdue is the new number one team after they won the Maui Classic. Arizona's two. Marquette is three. Defending champion UConn is four. And they look to be really tough again. Kansas is five. Houston is number six. And then other teams of note, schools of note, including SEC schools like Tennessee, which comes in at number 10. Kentucky at number 12. You have Florida Atlantic from the American Conference at 13. After losing that game against Bryant, they've picked up some big wins, including a win over nationally ranked Texas A&M and slaughtered Virginia Tech the other day. Texas A&M, speaking of them, the Aggies are 14th. Mississippi State is 21st, and Alabama is 23rd. Yeah, and tonight uh, in the inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge, uh, you will get number 8 Miami against number 12 Kentucky, so a good matchup there. Um, you get some other good matchups. Uh, Ole Miss, who of course the Tigers play on Saturday, they will be hosting NC State tonight in that ACC-SEC Challenge, so the some other pretty good matchups that they're going to have in that one, um, but Miami-Kentucky certainly the highlight of that tonight. Yeah, that'll be a big challenge for Ole Miss, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything about NC State, 
but they have not played a real rugged schedule up to this point. This will be a good challenge for them and a good game really to play before Memphis comes to town on Saturday. The Tigers really, with the week off, basically, they're practicing. Don't get me wrong. They're back from the Bahamas and getting ready for Ole Miss, but they will not have played a game since the championship game against Villanova, the loss, whereas Ole Miss will have that game under their belt against NC State. NBA light schedule last night. The Grizzlies are back in action tomorrow when they host the Utah Jazz. And boy, yesterday was interesting. Reading a lot of stories, both national writers, local journalists about the Grizzlies, and coming to a point where, you know, people are putting up options. You know, this team can just basically mail it in for the rest of the year and look to the future, you know, break things up, just kind of chalk it up to bad luck this year and move on. Uh, it's interesting that 16 games into the year, here is where we are with the Grizzlies. But last night, again, not a busy schedule, but an interesting few games, including the Lakers and the 76ers. The 76ers beat the Lakers by 44 points, 138 to 94. 138 to 94. It seems like the Sixers have been a lot better since they got rid of James Harden. Tyrese Maxey has been great. Joel Embiid, another triple-double. But the big story in this game, other than the winner and the loser, was LeBron James. LeBron James played 30 minutes in this game. They did have Anthony Davis, by the way. They had the whole kit and caboodle and got clobbered. But LeBron James, with his 30 minutes, surpasses Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become the all-time NBA leader in minutes played. He's 38, doesn't seem to be slowing down. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to play, but it's not like this is some crippled LeBron James that's going out on the court. The guy is as physical and as much a leader as he's always been with that Lakers team. Has his skills diminished? I don't see it. Maybe a tad. Uh, He's a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal player. And again, last night surpasses Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in minutes played. Yeah, um, and takes the worst loss of his career. Yes, he does. So So he's got that going for himself, which is nice. And did not record a rebound in the game. Hmm. Did not not realize that. Wonder what that was about. You know, that guy goes hard for the boards every time. Uh, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying. I saw how many it is. It's, I think it's like the fourth time in his career that he has played and not recorded a rebound. Wow. Like that. That's that's startling. Still, I'm not taking back what I said. I mean, yeah, maybe slightly the skills have diminished. I don't see it, though. We don't see it through the human eye, uh, but I'm sure it's there a little bit. But it's not like all of a sudden you watch this guy play and he's decrepit out there on the court. The dude's still amazing. So he went 30 minutes and, and got the record last night, but the Lakers take it on the chin. They lose by 44. So I was looking at the standings last night, and I I haven't watched a ton of teams play this year. I'll be honest with you. I've watched games here and there. Obviously, I've watched the Grizzlies. No particular order. Here are my, as far as Best stories so far this year, and I'm talking about teams. I'm not talking about individual stories. My best story so far, again, in no particular order, the Orlando Magic, the Indiana Pacers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Houston Rockets. Would you guys 
add anybody? Would you I mean, get rid of anybody and then add somebody in for your five? Because I think they're all dynamite stories. I think the magic is, you know, we, we've seen that magic team kind of piece together all these good young pieces and wonder when it would all come together and they figure out and sort through all that. And certainly to see them, you know, with the second best record or tied for second best record um, in the East, that's, it's, you, know, you, you knew the talent was there again when you're, and when you're picking in the top two or three in the draft seemingly every year for a while, you should be able to eventually get there. And, you know, they have been able to put it together. Another team like the Pistons, who have a lot of young pieces, they haven't been able to figure it out yet. Um, Maybe they're just that year away, like they're maybe they're the magic kind of of last year. But um, the magic is that that's pretty incredible to see that turnaround. And now that they have kind of put things together with all of those young pieces. Yeah, I was going to bring up the Pistons as, as just, you know, completely opposite story as opposed to the five I just talked about. The Pistons, which has assembled a lot of good young talent, seems like it has no direction. They're just assembling talent, where it seemed like Orlando had a game plan, and it's finally come to fruition, led by Paolo Banquero, led by the Wagners. They got a lot of talent on that team. I'm surprised they're this good. You know, will they have... uh, Will they be able to sustain it, sustaining power throughout the season? I'm not sure. But I think they're... Really, the best story. The best story. But, again, the Thunder. And we'll see now with the whole Josh Giddy thing, if, if that derails him a bit. The Timberwolves. Remember when the Rudy Gobert trade happened and people laughed at it and they weren't really good? All of a sudden, now they're really, really good. Now you have the Anthony Edwards you know, next step to stardom. You have Carl Anthony Towns, but you've had him. Go Bear, it's starting to pay off. And the other pieces that they have brought in and the leadership of Mike Conley. You have the Rockets. Hey, let's give it up for the Rockets, at least until now. They are a surprisingly good story. They are competitive, and nobody thought that. And then the Pacers with the with Tyrese Halliburton taking that next step into superstardom. You know, they have been a a team that wasn't really bad last year, but it's a team that I think now you look and go, yeah, they can win on any given night. Uh, they have a great leader in Halliburton. So th- those are some of the early stories, I think, team-wise uh, in the NBA. So, by the way, last night, another fantastic performance by the Clippers in a loss to the Nuggets without Jokic, Murray, and Gordon, which is hard to do. Yeah, I didn't stay up for that, so I didn't even know they lost. Jeez. The, uh, I did some more diving into... Some stats with the Grizzlies, because mm-hmm. um, I was wanting to. I talked yesterday, you know, the, the wide open threes, and so right. I wanted to see exactly where where they stood when it comes to wide open threes. Mm-hmm. And the way the NBA defines a wide open three is the closest defender is more than six feet away. Um, so the Grizzlies, surprisingly enough, don't give up the most wide open threes. Um, but they do give it the fourth most as far as percentage of three-point shots that are wide open. 24.7% of three-pointers by their opponents are wide open threes. Wow. So basically... One in four. One in four is a wide open three that their opponents are getting. Their opponents on those wide open threes shoot 42.7%. 
Again, Grizzlies overall opponents are shooting over 40% from three-point range. But here's the interesting thing. So, on the offensive side of things, the Grizzlies also, weirdly enough, 24.7% of their three-pointers are wide-open threes. So, it's ex- the, the, the percentage is exactly the same defensively and offensively of how many of the threes that they take or give up are wide-open, 24.7%. The Grizzlies... When they get a wide open three, again, no defender within six feet, uh, they shoot 33.6%, which is last in the NBA. So, when they they give up a three-pointer that is wide open, the opponent hits it at 42%, number one in the NBA. Like, that's the best there, the, the Grizzlies... Or the worst for the Grizzlies, but that 42.7%, that's the best. The Grizzlies, when they get a wide-open three, only make 33% of them, which is last in the NBA. Like, that's, that is an astonishing number, quite frankly. Wide-open threes in the NBA, you I, for a team to shoot 33% on wide-open threes in the NBA, that blew me away. Like, I was like, wow, that is, uh, I, I can't imagine... A team being that bad on wide open threes, right? And most teams, most coaches, most players, right? The, they're all in unison that if you're open, you take the three, because you are a professional, not only a professional basketball player, you're an NBA player. But there is a reason, probably, why the Grizzlies are so open on the perimeter because they're clanking them, they're clanking the threes. So teams want them to shoot forty times a game from three. Yes, the three pointer is the great equalizer. But you have to make them. So I'm not, I know how you're surprised, but after what you had said yesterday, I'm not surprised that those numbers were as ugly as you just said. The only, Portland also, Portland shoots 33.9%. Everybody else is at least 35%. There is, um, these are on wide open shots. This is wide open threes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Brooklyn shoots 47% on wide open threes. I wonder how many. Mavericks shoot 42%. Miami shoots 42%. Golden State shoots 41%. Pacers shoot over 40%. Wizards shoot over 40%. Timberwolves shoot over 40%. And then you go down, and there are the Grizzlies. DFL at 33.6%. I wonder what Cam Thomas shoots on an open three when the Nets shoot 47% on open threes. And, of course, Steph Curry, what he shoots on open threes. Gosh, he makes a high percentage with hands in his face. But, but I mean, he's, but he's Steph Curry. So you're, again, the defense is awful in allowing three point wide open threes at nearly a one and four clip. But the offense, offense, you're getting wide open threes. Like that's team that wants to shoot threes. They're getting one out of every four is wide open. You think that should be a good thing. But, mm-hmm. um, they can't make those wide open threes. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing to get the wide open three. It's another thing to make the wide open three. But um, I, I, it's just, you know, I, I don't, some of the stuff that they are doing, yeah, I understand losing games because of the lineups and the injuries and all of that. Some of the other stuff just that there, it doesn't, it's it's inexcusable, quite frankly. A lot of the defensive stuff, especially, mm-hmm. but even some of the offensive stuff, like it doesn't make sense. Like they should be, way better than what they are. Talk a little football before we take our first time out and bring in Connor O'Gara on the other side. 
Memphis football news and get ready because this news is going to be around the country since the portal became a thing. You're going to hear it about every school in the in the country, in the nation. Tevin Carter announcing through the social media platforms that he's entering the transfer portal. The University of Memphis backup quarterback. And the thought is that Seth Hennigan, who has already indicated that he's coming back, although nothing's etched in stone until it's etched in stone. But you would have to think that Tevin Carter's announcement probably coincides with Hennigan returning for a final year. Tevin is moving on to greener pastures, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback somewhere given the opportunity. And Davian Carter, offensive lineman, who started to come into his own for the University of Memphis, uh, he also uh, is entering the transfer portal, according to reports. And Davian Carter is a big loss because anytime you lose an offensive lineman that has a chance to come back uh, is a big loss for any team. So the Carters both on the move. But again, this is just scratching the surface with player announcements that will happen not only here with the University of Memphis, but around the country. Yeah, it's, I mean, we are about to enter the free agency um, session of college football. I mean, it's just, and and for a guy like Tevin Carter, um, certainly looking at it and thinking, do I really want to sit for another year? I don't, I mean, I don't blame him for saying, you know what, I don't, I don't want to sit here for another year and wait for that opportunity. I'd rather go somewhere else and try and get that opportunity to actually start playing. I completely understand where he's coming from. He and his family talked it over. I wish this young man well. He's really a genuine uh, kid. I, I like him a lot. Always a smile on his face. And I, I think he has a lot of talent. I, I think he's going to make a team, uh, make a good quarterback for wherever he goes. I don't think there's any question. Some other college football notes. Rick Stockstill out at Middle Tennessee State. 18 seasons he was the head coach, and MTSU is moving on. That means Tommy West, who's part of that staff, former Memphis Tigers head coach, would presumably move on as well. Whoever the new coach will be will bring in uh, his new staff. So Rick Stockstill out at MTSU. Also, Preston Stone is done for the season. The SMU quarterback got hurt in last week's win over Navy, will not be the quarterback for the championship game this weekend against Tulane. That's a big loss. He's a really good quarterback. Yeah, that's a killer going into a championship game to lose your starting quarterback. Um, that's uh, going to make things difficult for SMU against a very good Tulane team um, to try and go into Tulane and win without him. Dan Mullen announces that uh, he's, he's not pursuing the Syracuse job. So uh, despite some rumors out there, it does not look like that's going to happen. And the Mike Elko deal revealed at Texas A&M, six years, $7 million per with plenty of incentives for Mike Elko. They got money. And Ross Bjork. And they're, they're, AD, they're offering it up if he can do some good things. Yep. And Ross Bjork saying that they will, ba- they will pay for his buyout, leaving Duke, whatever the amount that is. No problem. They'll pay for the buyout. Folks, this year, when it comes to jewelry for Christmas, you have a great, refreshing alternative. That's Genesis Diamonds. They give you so much more in quality, in selection, and in value. Right now, you can buy anything at Genesis and get five years, zero interest financing. That's right. Five years, zero interest financing right now at Genesis Diamonds. So if you're thinking about that perfect piece of jewelry, maybe an engagement ring or any other kind of fine jewelry, right now is a great time to buy this holiday season at Genesis Diamonds with five years, zero interest financing. You can get that 
$3,000 diamond pendant and pay just $50 a month. That's how great this deal is. Again, no interest for five years. The selection, absolutely amazing when it comes to Genesis Diamonds, from the engagement rings and diamonds to all kinds of fine jewelry, including those pre pre-owned Rolex watches. And right now, again, five years, zero interest financing is available at Genesis Diamonds. Genesis Diamonds located in the Poplar Common Shopping Center. That's Poplar and Perkins Extended right there in the middle of that shopping center. Get that holiday shopping done early. Go see them at Genesis Diamonds. Connor O'Gara is next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Busy, busy, busy time for college football. Tonight, the college football playoff rankings, the second to last rankings. We got bowls and the announcement on Sunday coming up. Coaches coming and going, players coming and going. And here to talk about it all is Connor O'Gara. It's time to talk some SEC and college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Connor O'Gara from SaturdayDownSouth.com and SaturdayTradition.com. Here's Connor O'Gara with Greg and Eli. He joins us every other week to talk college football. He is Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South, Saturday Tradition. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. How are you, my friend? I'm good, guys. Just uh, just very, very busy this time of year. There is a, a ton going on right now in the college football world, to say the least. It is, uh, yeah, it, it's bonkers right now. I wanted to get your thoughts before we talk about the SEC championship game and uh, some of the other championship games this weekend. Your thoughts on Elko to A&M, Levy to Mississippi State. I really like Elko, and I have for a while. So th- this is not going to be me ranting about how, oh, well, A&M made this big splash to fire Jimbo Fisher, and they needed to make a big splash to replace him. Just got a guy that's going to win you football games. And Mike Elko, what he's done these last two years at Duke, having a better record at Duke than A&M has had in the two years without him, I think that just shows you that this guy gets it. And to me, that's the vibe that I've always got from him. I mean, he's been at four different Power 5 programs any playoff era, and he's led all of them to a defense that finished in the top fourth in the country in scoring defense. He knows defense. He knows that locker room. And the contract is super friendly. You're not going to look at this contract and make fun of it like you did with Jimbo Fisher, which, look, you just don't have to have a contract like that in this day and age. So I I like the move, even though, you know, there was a lot of talk about Mark Stoops in the three hours that that seemed like it was going to happen. I I like Mike Elko and think he has the tools to succeed at a place like A&M. And as for Levy, you know, I'm interested in, in to see how this plays out because Levy is someone that I, I think I've suggested for coaching, head coaching jobs for the last three years, and he's worked with the likes of Lane Kiffin and Josh Heifel and Brent Venables. But working as a primary play caller, which he said he's going to do, I don't know that that's going to be that sustainable. I have my doubts about that. And for all those who say, oh, Mississippi State's been there, done that with Mike Leach, Dan Mullen, those are two of the best to ever do it, in my opinion. So I don't know that that's going to be as sustainable, but... I get why the move was made. I get the Oklahoma connection with Zach Selman. I think that 
you know, somebody that has experience in the state of Mississippi should mm-hmm. benefit that program and they should be able to get out of that, that hole that they're in right now. On the Elko thing, do you think for the, for Texas A&M, Elko is better than Stoops? Yeah, for the, that's, that's the key caveat right there. Some people are looking at this and saying, well, is Mark Stoops a better coach than Mike Elko? Yeah, Mark Stoops is a more proven coach than Mike Elko. Yeah, nobody's denying that. But, but so much of this is about fit. So much of this is about being able to go into the state of Texas, wherein that, that state is going to get even more competitive with SEC recruiting, with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference. Mark Stoops has recruited two, a total of two high school players from the state of Texas during his 11 years at Kentucky, neither of which were blue-chip guys. That move, to me, I'm just sitting there going like, that guy never recruits the state of Texas. He gets these kids from Youngstown, Ohio, to mm-hmm. play at Kentucky. How did how would that have made sense? So Elko, the four years that he spent there, I, I thought he was underrated while he was there. Like the 2021 season, they had the number three scoring defense in America. I mean, like they were so unbelievably good on that side of the ball until he left, and they they dealt with consistency issues. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just about fit, and I think it's about getting that place, a very unique place. College Station, Texas is, and I think Elko made more sense than Stoops. We saw Bama cruising along until they got to Auburn, and then it took a, a miracle fourth and 31 to pull it out over Auburn to kind of keep their hopes alive. But they're going to have to beat Georgia to get a chance, uh, to have a chance to get into the playoff. Number one, uh, how do you see that game going on Saturday? And number two, is it a slam dunk if Alabama wins? The SEC championship that they get in. We know that Georgia gets in, obviously. But does Alabama get in with a win? But how do you see that game? Yeah, I, I see I see Georgia winning the game uh, just because you can't bet against Georgia right now. They're, they're, just, they're too good. It's 29 straight. And even though this is the house of horrors for Kirby Smart, a game in Atlanta against Nick Saban, I, I still am like, you know what? What's going to get this team down? Because... They do not flinch, and I know if you want to look at the Georgia Tech game and say, oh, well, it was a one-score game at the end. Georgia was sitting out, guys. They dominated on the offensive line, and that still, to me, was a tricky game to be able to coach, so I wouldn't look too far into that. I think Georgia should have the matchups to be able to beat this game. I think they've been studying for Bama for a while now, and I think they're going to be prepared, but it'll be tight because Bama, like I said, just has been that resilient team that you just can never count out with how good they've been in the second half of these games. But, it, look, if Bama wins this game, is it a slam dunk that they get in and Texas is left out? No. I think Bama should get in, and I think Bama would have a case unlike any other when it comes to head-to-head. A, a trump card is beating the two-time defending national champs who have won 29 straight games. Mm-hmm. Because I look at the, the head-to-head thing, and I'm like, that should always win out, except in a case like this. <laughs> except in a case like this where you can beat the two-time defending national champs at a neutral site. Yeah, I mean... Certainly, I, I could understand the argument both both ways because the, the the Texas win was at Alabama certainly makes it stronger for them, but it was also what 10, 11 weeks ago. Like <laughs> things change over that time, and you could you could easily make the argument that if you're the committee and you put Alabama in, that we believe right now Alabama's better than what they were then and better than Texas is right now. Yeah, I mean, look, let, let's let's call it what it is. Like head to head should matter. It really should with teams that have the same number of losses. This should be a situation in which that that should be taken into account. It has to be. But at the same time, you mean to tell me that beating 
all undefeated teams are that like that's the same type of win. Like so, if if, if Louisville beats Florida State, that type of win is the same as what Georgia or what Alabama could do to Georgia this weekend. No way. I mean, no way. Like beating the beating a team of this caliber. I cannot stress that enough. Should matter, and to me, like you're looking at an SEC championship with two teams with a combined one loss, and we're living in a world in which the SEC champion has played in a national championship game 16 of the last 17 years. That has to factor into this conversation. I know it's a year-to-year deal with the ranking, but how could you possibly eliminate that if you're the selection? Yeah, committee? you just told us that you feel George is going to win the game, as as do I. But again, let's take it one step further. We just talked about the possibility, what would happen if Alabama won and the whole deal with Texas. But how about Georgia? If they got beat, does Georgia, with one loss to Alabama in the championship game, have an argument to be in the playoff as well? They have an argument, but they, they would need help. They, they really would. And it's because it's the most top-heavy field that we have had. This is the first time in the playoff era in which there have been eight Power 5 teams with zero or one loss. That is the most of any of the 10 years of this four-team field. And Ohio State's the only one that we're kind of looking at going, yeah, they don't really have that that path. I mean, I guess there's like one scenario in which Ohio State can get in, but they need a lot of help. No, it's just not going to – it's not going to be a situation like the last two years with Georgia where you could lose this game in theory and still feel really good about your chances because you have – a power five unbeaten in Florida State, despite what Kirk Herbstreit keeps telling us on college game day, 13-0 Florida State is getting into the college football playoff if they are there. Michigan, I am not holding my breath on Michigan losing to Iowa unless <laughs> that game is three to nothing. And then you're looking at the Pac-12 championship as a play-in type game. So you look at all those things right there and you're like, well, yeah. I mean, and if Texas wins, like a one-loss Texas team who beats Bama, and obviously Bama is, is you know, would get in if they beat Georgia. So, yeah, I mean, it is just so unbelievably top-heavy, and that is why nobody, in my opinion, should feel like they have a big clinch to the college football playoff heading into this weekend. So you believe, I think, like most, that if Georgia, if Florida State, Michigan all win, they're all in, and then it's just the winner of the Pac-12 championship game as the fourth team? Yeah, I, I think so. And look, I think Oregon's resume is vastly overrated. I, I really do. I've been big in the drum. Great football team. Great football team. Maybe they'll win a national championship. They, they, they could. But they, it's almost like everybody came away from that Washington game going, well, they're, they're, they're the better team, so we're just going to continue to give them the benefit of the doubt. They should not be the top-ranked one-loss team. That, that, to me, is an argument that falls flat. When you look and you see their best wins are against four-loss teams. And, and to me, like Texas and Bama have better wins than Oregon, but it's because of the eye test. Because, oh, well, you know what, that close loss that could have gone either way, a fourth down here, a fourth down there. And I get it. And they'll have a chance to to uh, avenge their only loss, whereas Georgia wouldn't get that benefit to be able to do that against Alabama and turn around and play another game against them. So that's what's probably going to benefit Oregon. But don't sleep on Washington because Washington continues to find a way, and they're very reminiscent, in my opinion, of last year's TCU team. So why would Ohio State not be – in the mix. Their only loss in the big house to Michigan in a close game down to the wire. They have a win at Notre Dame, crushed the Irish in South Bend. That's a what, a nine win team and beat Penn State. Why why is their resume come up they short? They crushed the Irish, first of all. They won on the play in the final. Oh, yeah. Game. All right. Yeah. <laughs> they won, yeah. won <laughs> the crushing. Last I don't know why I was thinking they crushed them, but but anyway, they no. won, they won in South Bend. They beat Penn State. Is their resume not better? Better than better the than pack, what? The, pa- the Pac-12 team. 
that we would. No, it argue. won't be. Uh-huh. I'm not talking about an undefeated Washington. I'm talking about a one loss, one loss Washington or a one loss Oregon. Better than a one loss Washington, yes, but that's not really up for debate. Like one loss Washington, if they lose in the Pac-12 championship, yeah. they will not be in. Oregon, if they, if either one of those teams wins, that they will have a better resume that, than Ohio State because without that conference championship, the margin for error this year, guys, it, it is just slim to none. It's just not what last year was with Ohio State, where they had that path that was there. Mm-hmm. And so you look, you look at the respect that's been given to the Pac-12, a deserved respect, by the way, for how good they were in non-conference play. And I think that's playing a big part of this. That's why Oregon was that top one-loss team. They've been the top one-loss team throughout this entire time. Maybe that changes tonight, but I still think Oregon's going to end up moving up and Ohio State will be slightly behind them. And that'll tell you everything you need to know about that. So we're saying the regular season game, Oregon-Washington, really meant nothing. That's what we're saying, right? That there's more importance in this one. If this one's an elimination game, then they both would split. During the regular season, why is this one got more? Because it's a conference championship game. Is that conference championship? And con- it's a neutral field. Championship neutral site. Yeah, though those two things. And if you look at the mutual opponents between Washington and Oregon, Washington's been hanging on by a thread. The last eight weeks, I think it is seven mm-hmm. or eight weeks, they haven't won a game by more than what ten points. I mean, they have really been that down to the wire team. That's why I compared them to last year's TCU team, whereas Oregon. All these mutual opponents, they've just been smashing them. So I think that would tip the scales, and that's why if Oregon were to win this game as Vegas and as and many people have been anticipating for the last month and a half, that, that is why they would get the benefit of the doubt over Washington. Thus the 9.5-point line that they're favored by, Oregon over Washington. But it's interesting because it's really coming down to a bunch of people in a room and their eye test. That's what it is. What who they Now here's the I heard this discussion yesterday and I want to ask you about it. Should it be the four most deserving teams via their resumes this year or the four best teams or perceived best teams by the committee? Deserving. It's always deserving. It's it has to be deserving. I, I I'm in agreement. That. Yeah, I'm in agreement, but they they argued that. You probably heard that discussion, right? With Herb Street I, and all I those hate guys. it. I hate it. it, it the, the argument that, that everybody knows who the best team is all the time. Okay, then go to Vegas. Go to Vegas <laughs> every single game. Be, live, live on your yacht. Live, live and be a billionaire. If you know who the best teams are every single time, you have to go by the resume. You right. have to go by the resume because that, to me, is what's, what's the point of playing the game? Exactly. I don't want to hear... I don't want to hear Nick Saban get up there and tell me about how you'd be favored against this many teams that are in the college football playoff. Get out of here with that stuff. It's about your resume. It's about what you actually do during the course of the season playing football. I'm yeah, that's, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I know the committee says like their thing is to get the four best teams, but the only way to determine the four best teams is by the four teams that do it on the field yes. and therefore are the four most deserving teams. If not, then we're just saying Georgia's in no matter what. Like yeah. we, we've, Every Georgia's, Georgia's the best roster. You, yeah. They would be favored probably against anybody in the country. So therefore, we should just say Georgia's in before the even season starts. Like you, you have to go based on what has happened during the year and what teams have earned those spots. Yeah, there's no question. We're all in unison as far as that's concerned. All right, it's going to be a fun week. There's a lot going on. There's a lot more coaching news to uh, to be settled here before it's all said and done. We will talk to you in two weeks. We'll know everything that's going on and who will be in the playoff. And it's always a great read when you check out what Connor's writing about at Saturday Down South and Saturday Tradition. Follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Garen. Again, catch him two Mondays from now, two Tuesdays from now, talking with us here on Sports 56 mornings. Connor, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Take care.
Guns, guns, more guns. That's what you find when you go to Classic Arms. Classic Arms located at 1740 Germantown Parkway, right behind Corky's. You can also find them online or you can shop 24-7 at ClassicArmsOfMemphis.com. Home defense guns, hunting guns, old guns, new guns, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, whether you're trading, whatever it is that you want to do, the folks at Classic Arms, Jay and his gang over there will take care of you. They've got all the top brand names, guaranteed lowest price in town. They're the only gun porter gun importer here in the Mid-South. They do free gun inspections. They do free gun appraisals as well. All of this is at Classic Arms. Again, 1740 Germantown Parkway. Every gun you can think of, they've got them for you. And again, you can shop online 24-7 from the comfort of your home to see exactly what they do have at ClassicArmsOfMemphis.com. They are Classic Arms. Talk some NFL when we return. The Bears get a win. Justin Fields leading the way. Does that mean the Bears will not go with a quarterback when it comes to the draft? We will discuss that when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Two of Humdinger's trivia to start the hour. Laird Veach will join us at 825, University of Memphis Athletics Director. A couple of uh, text messages here on the Sports 56 listener line. Somebody says if the SEC gets two teams in over three Power 5 unbeatens, it's a travesty. Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, the SEC is not getting two teams in unless there's some crazy stuff that happens and you'd have to have like Michigan lose to Louisville Iowa. and Iowa yeah. win like. Oklahoma State, like these types of things. So I don't, that's, that's, that certainly is not happening. Another one says, under no circumstance does Alabama get in over Texas if both have one loss. Alabama's only chance is to get in over one loss, Oregon. See, I agree with that. I, I, I don't think in this scenario, with Texas winning the Big 12 championship, even Alabama knocking off the number one team, Georgia, which has not lost in three years, they lost head to head to Texas. They'd each have one loss. They'd each be their respective conference champions, and Texas beat them head-to-head. Texas has to get the call. I don't know what we're doing if Texas were to not get the call over Alabama as far as one of those playoff spots. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I think Texas would get it, although I could I could see the committee making the argument. One, like Connor said, they just beat the clear number one team and who's been the number one team for three years and using the thing of, we think right now this version of Alabama is just way better than what it was when they played Texas. I actually think the Auburn game kind of kills that argument for Alabama, though. If they had dominated Auburn, mm-hmm. like they've been dominating opponents here recently, and they just rolled into this, then beat Georgia, I think it'd be a lot easier to make the argument that we just think Alabama now is way better than Alabama of week two when they lost to Texas. And if they played again, like we would believe that Alabama is just the better team. But 
having to get a fourth and goal from the 31 against Auburn doesn't help your case of saying that we're a way better team than we were when we played Texas way back when. Yeah, that'll certainly be the argument from some on the committee. I would imagine that it would be. But again, you can't deny what happened actually on the playing field. And that's Texas beat Alabama. Even though it is, it would be really strange to not have an SEC team in the playoff. Yeah, again, I mean that they've they have completely dominated the postseason of college football for the the whole playoff era. Before that, the BCS era, like this is without question the best conference in a. So again, you're in there and you're like, wait a second, we're going to leave that conference, the best conference, you know, for the last whatever, 20, 30 years, they've got a one-loss conference champion, we're just going to leave them out. That I That's very hard. That's, again, the committee, I think that would be tough for them to do. What about the, and I want to get to the NFL here in a second, but what about the discussion that there would be between Oregon, and we're already saying Oregon-Washington elimination game, but what about the argument Oregon versus Texas? Because obviously with Texas-Alabama, they played each other, so that one's pretty clear-cut in my opinion. But what about Texas and Oregon? Why wouldn't Texas have a legitimate gripe to be in as the Big 12 champion over the Pac-12 champion? Because, well, one, I mean, we've already, they, they have already, the committee has already established that they believe Oregon is a, is better than Texas. They've right right now the they time. have, yes. Plus, they will pick up a way better win than Texas will pick up this weekend. So, it's, it, like there, there's no way that would, a win over Oklahoma State for Texas would trump a win by Oregon over Washington. But again, I'm looking at total, I'm just making the, the point here for the, this discussion. Again, Oregon's you got to look at the total is, resume. Oregon's only loss is a three-point loss on the road right. at the number four, what, number four team or number three team, whatever they are right now in the country. And, where Texas, they lost, and Texas lost a neutral site to their rival, Oklahoma, in the Red uh, Red River shootout. So, to a Red team that River didn't even make their conference championship game. Yes, they didn't make their conference championship game. Right. I mean, that's. But they only have one loss, right? Or do they have two? They have one. Yeah. But again, the the Oregon loss is way better. And Texas, you know, has the great win at Alabama. There's no doubt about that. That's better than any win Oregon has. But Oregon also has some good wins, you know, and they're not, their loss is probably of, of all of those teams other than Ohio State, it's the best loss of the group. Yeah, but people will argue, I'm telling you, between those closed doors, they'll argue that, yeah, well, maybe Washington was a little bit overrated. If Oregon goes in there and thumps them, maybe we gave too much credit to Washington, and they'll look back and go, you know, Oklahoma against Washington, if we paired them together, we'd favor Oklahoma to beat Washington. Who knows what they will say behind closed doors. But yeah, right now, Oregon is in that better position than Texas is. But I I think that would be really interesting. I would love to be a fly on the wall to listen to those conversations. What I like is the fact that we're actually going to have decisions, hard decisions that need to be made, because normally it works out. You know, once in a while there's a there's an issue, but normally it works out. Now, next year you start the 12-team playoff, that's not going to be a problem. But right now, this year, this scenario... I don't think there is going to be Katie any hard decisions, because I think it's going to be Georgia, Florida well, State, Michigan, and the Pac-12 winner. I yeah, think it's pretty it, set. Well, if they all win, yeah. If they I, all I think win, they will. If they all win. But again, I think if Oregon beats Washington, which again, you just said they will... They're going to get in for the things that oh, you I don't just know that about. Oregon's going to be Washington. I just think it's going to be those three in the Pac-12 winner. It doesn't matter who wins the Pac-12 game. I think it's but, but Georgia, that's my Florida point. State, Michigan. But that's Wall my point. Win. But that's my point. If Washington wins, they're undefeated. 
They're an undefeated Pac-12 team. If Oregon wins, that means they split two with Washington. They have one loss. Oregon has one loss. Texas, assuming they win, has one loss. Alabama, if they upset Georgia, they have one loss. Georgia has one loss. Ohio State has one loss. At least it's a discussion. At least it's a discussion. That's all I'm saying. All right, NFL last night. The Bears. The Bears beat the Vikings 12-10. to As they improved to 4-8, the Vikings, bad loss for the Vikings. They dropped to 6-6 as Carlos Santos hits four field goals after missing one earlier in the game. The game-winning field goal with 10 seconds left. Justin Fields leads his team down the field into field goal range, and the Bears get the win. I don't know if one game is making the difference in in anything, but in the decision-making by management for the Bears. But Justin Fields, last couple weeks, he's healthy, he's played better. Do you think Chicago is taking a quarterback in the draft? Uh, I don't know, but I, I think they probably will. Is, um, is it smart to take a quarterback? They are going to have more than likely the number one overall pick because they get Carolina's pick. Carolina is 1-10 right now. Arizona is 2-10. And, and Chicago has their own pick. Right now, they'd be picking fourth. They are 4-8, four and eight, but they'd actually get the fourth pick over Washington and the Giants, who are also 4-8. and eight. So they're going to get two high picks, but more than likely the number one. Do you take it on a Caleb Williams, a Drake May, or any of these other quarterbacks? Or do you roll the dice with Justin Fields, even though he's going to enter, what, his fourth year? Mm-hmm. you got to look at the contract, right? The next guy, he's be out of the rookie contract. Do you think you can have success with him? If you do, then you got to look at Marvin Harrison Jr., in my opinion, and look in a different direction. If not, you're going to start over again with another young quarterback. If you think those quarterbacks that are available are that much better than Justin Fields, I could see that. But if not, I don't think you go with the quarterback. You go with a big left tackle out there. You go with Marvin Harrison Jr. And then we'll see where that other pick is as well. Yeah, I, I certainly could understand. Uh, I mean, if they do decide Justin Fields, but I I would probably take quarterback advice them just because I don't want to have to pay Justin Fields in two years. I'd rather reset with a guy on a rookie contract. Right, right. Um, but that's my theory on quarterback in the NFL. I would just, I think you should draft a new quarterback every five years anyway. Um, but that's so just me. a new car. Uh, but certainly if they do believe in Justin Fields, you could add two really good pieces around him. Um, right. And, and so, you know, it's it's an interesting decision that they have to make and figure out. And I'm sure it will not be an easy one. And at least he's healthy now. And they got the rest of the year to try and figure that out of, of what exactly is. I mean, you watched that throw on that last drive last night. I mean, he that's a, that's a cannon. Like, that was an absolute laser that he threw to DJ Moore. Like, he, he shows them. But then you got the two fumbles. And you wonder, can a guy running as much as him... How many injury issues is he going to continue to have? Um, can he? Can you take that? If you take that running element a little bit away, mm-hmm. how much does that change what he is as a player? So there's there's a lot of things, and a lot of the guys that are coming out are kind of just Justin Fields. You're resetting with Justin Fields, only you hope that they're maybe a little bit better than him. Yeah, and he doesn't have the weapons. Yeah, they went out and got DJ Moore, but they don't have a running game. They let Montgomery walk to Detroit, so he doesn't have all these weapons. I don't know necessarily if I'm going quarterback. I want to thank East Memphis Hardware. 
East Memphis Ace Hardware for our first hour sponsorship. That's right. East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince. Go by and see them for whatever it is you need to get done around the house. They've got your supplies. They've also got a helpful staff. They've got the big green egg. Great gift ideas for the holiday season. You'll find them all at East Memphis Ace Hardware. Hour two on the way. We'll open up with Humdinger's Trivia. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 